More sanctions. Who? Where? Sanction everybody. Everyone, exactly. Everyone needs to be sanctioned. Everybody who I don't like. Everybody Italy. sanctioned Italy. They voted wrong. Yeah. It was, what, it was some hell of a week, wasn't it? Maloney in Italy winning bigly. Bigly. As Trump might say. Someone... Who knows who blows up the Nord Stream no, it's pipeline? A, it's a mystery. We need freaking Poirot to figure that one out for us. We need a two-hour oh, Poirot no. movie. Come on, Joe. Laws of ob- objective journalism. We have to start with the premise that we don't know. Exactly. Right. So we need Poirot. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Then Russia, of course, formally annexes four regions of Ukraine, and Putin delivers this speech for the ages. Mm-hmm. Among other things. You know, something we didn't cover last week as well was the protests going on in Iran. Mm. I thought, well, maybe it'll just die down. It hasn't. It's still going on, but um, maybe we can touch on that this week as well. Where do you want to start? When did, the, when did, when did they blow up the pipelines? Tuesday? Uh, 27th. 27th. Yeah. Um it's funny, no? It's funny. Uh, yeah, from a very yeah certain perspective. <laughs> it's funny. It's not funny for Europe. Um, Apparently they're all quite happy now. Settled a, a, a kind of an enduring problem uh, amongst, the, amongst the Europeans, you know, that was... Now they can put to bed any kind of doubts they might have had about aligning with Washington. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's they just, can just relax or at least, well... Put to doubt, put about any doubts that Germany might turncoat and in its own national interest, and like in the sense of you know keeping its industry going and you know the lights on over the next few winters. Um, that Germany might have decided to maybe accept a little bit of Russian gas. Uh, well, and all that, that obviously spooked other European nations because like if Germany did that, then you might have France following suit, and, and obviously it spooked Washington. So and it was. There's a bit of a wedge in a certain sense amongst the, the Atlanticist uh, nations, the NATO nations. Um, so it was, it was a source of anxiety, unease, sleepless nights, but now... And, of course, Russian influence. Yeah, but now there's no, there's no, there's no, um, no problem anymore. Everybody's relaxed. Everybody's calm now. They're secure beneath the watchful eyes. <laughs> <laughs> of London and Washington. They can relax. There's no more dilemma. Yeah. Now um, they know that Germany, German industry is going to have to shut down partially this winter and Germans and some other Europeans are going to freeze a little bit. Partly so this winter. The wave has collapsed. Let's go straight to the chase. You looked at the kind of infrastructure of this thing and what it took to do what happened. Hmm. Leaping ahead to the conclusion, do you think it's rebuildable or is that it? It is rebuildable for sure, yeah. Uh, does it require a whole new line, or can no, that section be? They fixed? do that all the time. They basically um, repair sections. Uh, yeah, you pr- repair sections. Yeah, um, so it's, it's not. It's not. It's not deep. Permanent. It's not deep. It's like I think the area is actually two hundred feet of water, which you know, obviously the sea is shallow. Yeah. Um, so the, you know the pressure down there isn't too bad, and all that kind of stuff. So you can get actually you can get divers down there and or whatever uh, for, for welding it. Um, you cut out the the damaged sections. And weld in new sections, and then they, there's something. Did you find that it's submerged under the seabed, though? And in case no, well, it's in the on the seabed. It's not submerged. It's on the seabed because oh, it has right. to be on the seabed for for repairs and stuff, right? Mm. But it's 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 encased in case of concrete and like re- 
three and how much was it? Um, a few centimeters, a couple of inches, a few inches anyway of, of, of reinforced concrete, steel reinforced concrete, and the, the metal pipes themselves are about four four centimeters, uh, about an inch and a half of steel. So, but you know, it's easily done. And there's a there's a the kind of device I think they call it a pig or something like that, um, a pipeline pig or something like that, that they can push through it to push out the seawater. You know, so seawater mm-hmm. gets dumped out once. Once you repair them, any seawater in there, you start from one end and push it, push the push it through. Probably like a bung, basically that pushes through the pipeline <coughs> and pushes out the seawater, pushes out the far end, and then it's good to go. But it's not going to happen, obviously, right? Right. So it is doable. This is not as permanent as no. That, that's that's like we've, like we've been saying so often. So you, you were speaking kind of tongue in cheek, where okay, good, this settles an issue for us. That's put to bed. It's put to bed in the sense in, that they can opt. They can go. America's given them the option of going with that political choice. But the political choice, in actuality, is still available for them to rebuild it and patch up the hurt. Yeah, but nobody's going to do that because they'll just right. blow, they'll blow it up again. Right. Well, the precedent's set. And yeah, it's not only set a precedent for that pipeline, but for other pipelines and other energy infrastructure is now technically, uh, it's well, it's fair game, right? It's fair. It, 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 right. It's open season on on right. on anybody's energy infrastructure, right? That's. America has introduced that now as a, as a as a an allowable or a um, you know fair play basically fair, yeah, fair, fair and, game. And, and if it was a test, so to speak, in the sense that um, well, what would the fallout? What will the pol- political reaction be? Every government in Europe went. Well, we don't know who did it. Mm. Well, we'll just have to have an investigation. Or they went. Russia did it. Mm. So the test was successful. They now have open season on blowing up anything. There was an interesting item that occurred four days before that was only reported in Russian media. Um, Well, of course, it was the Russian government reporting it. So inevitably, it was only Russian media. But it was that uh, the FSB claimed they'd foiled an effort to sabotage the Turkstream pipeline pipeline, Mm -hmm. uh, using, in part, of course, Ukrainian services. Mm -hmm. But between the lines, you know, Western ones too. Um, that that occurs four days prior to this. Yes. So, uh, yeah. maybe this was meant to be a twofer, who knows. Um, yeah, uh, well, there's, I mean, there's obviously a pre- I mean, I'm sure people have seen it already, but there's, there's lots of, there's lots of hard evidence of American uh, and allied activity around the area of the, of, of what the pipelines were, were were blown up um, in the in the well in the in, in very very recently within in uh, within the last month basically in, in September uh, this one of course you won't see this talked about at all in the Western media but it comes from other state media organisations this one's from where is Al I don't know where Al Maidin is is that um, uh, it's dot net Saudi I think it's Saudi yeah. Anyway, U.S. military aircraft were circling Nord Stream incident site in September. U.S. military reportedly carried out sorties over the future site of the Nord Stream pipeline incident in the Baltic Sea. So habitually, on numerous occasions, circled for hours over the site of the Nord Stream pipeline incident near Bornholm Island early in September. This is according, actually, this is from Flight, flight Radar 24. So Flight Radar is a flight tracking, commercial and military and all, any other flights that show up with transponders uh, and people on their 
and I think it was confirmed by the company, the flight radar website, that uh, you can go back and look at the activity and they saw uh, US Navy Sikorsky Seahawk helicopters spending hours loitering over the location uh, for several days in a row, December 1st, 2nd and 3rd. So... There's that one, and then, but then you go back in time, actually, and this is this is like a website, uh, pipeline technology journal for people who are into pipeline technology. You can follow, uh, keep up to date on pipeline technology. Some people are into that. It's pretty interesting, actually. Pretty awesome technology. Anyway, this was from, this is from 2015, um, 13th of November, I think, um, 13th of November 2015. Um, Swedish military had to successfully had to clear a remotely operated vehicle, a drone rigged with explosives, found near the line two of the Nord Stream natural gas offshore pipeline system. Discovered during a routine survey operation as part of the annual integrity assessment of the Nord Stream pipeline. Um, So somebody's been messing around with this idea for quite a long time. Of course, America was against Nord Stream. uh, About that story. The source below is actually RT. RT reported it? Okay. it. But they indeed were citing Swedish authorities. Mm. You see the work yeah. around there. What, what I would like to, to make a point out here is that Russian media reported it, and we therefore have a track record of this occurring before. So why would Western media not have drawn attention to that at the time if it's Russia snooping around its own pipelines with underwater drones laden with explosives? So... Yeah, uh, the exactly. only reason we know about a past uh, track record and contextual evidence is because of Russian media, i.e., it's not in their interest to do this. So. No, of course, uh, anyone with any sense uh, knows, but you're not allowed to say it in Western media. It's it's because no. ideologically, it's against the against the dominant discourse, and you gotta uh, keep keep with the keep, stick with the script, you know, uh, not mention it, um, and. That's, so that's past form of a drone snooping in the area. Well, There's oh, also exercises. Yeah, exactly. The military's been all over the area. Yeah, what do they call it? Uh, ball, ball tops? Ball tops from June to July this year. U.S. Six yes. Fleet. Um, exercise Maybe simulating um, mine... Oh. Yeah, demining. It. Not the pipeline, mm-hmm. but... Mine hunting capabilities, yeah. yeah. Is it here? Baltop 22. So this is published. Uh, this is on. This is near a website. Uh, Baltop 22. Perfect opportunity for research and testing new new technology. Remember that term, a perfect opportunity. Uh, anyway, a significant focus of Baltops every year is the demonstration of NATO mine hunting capabilities. And this year, the U.S. Navy continues to use the exercise as an opportunity to test emerging technology. Um. So yeah, I mean, we don't need to really go through. Uh, I don't think it says there exper- ex- on the second paragraph. Exper- exper- experimentation was conducted off the coast of Bornholm, Denmark, which is pretty much where the pipeline blew up. So they were doing this, and uh, someone was those met, sneaky Russians. Someone was, back in 2015 was testing out a drone with explosives near the pipeline. Uh, in June this year, the American U.S. Navy, uh, the U.S. Navy's uh, Sixth Fleet, was conducting uh, exercises with drone technology to see what they could do with drones around pipelines right in the area of where the pipeline was blown up uh, this week. And then about a month ago, the 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of September, U.S. Navy military helicopters were seen circling for hours over the exact area where the bomb... But, Neil, I still ask the question, who do you think did it? Russia. Okay. 
glad to see you're thinking straight on this one. So, um, yeah, well, <laughs> well, a few questions on that then. Why didn't Russia, why did they go all the way, like literally thousands of kilometers along the pipeline into NATO, effectively NATO mm-hmm. country controlled area technology? And like that area has been, there's all sorts of NATO country and, and American sensors on their sea because you've, you remember over the past few years, scares in Baltic countries and Sweden and stuff and Norway about uh, Russian submarines being spotted. Do you remember mm-hmm. those news articles? Yeah. So they've, they have a lot of undersea sensors to detect drones, uh, submarines, all sorts of stuff, right, that have been there for quite mm-hmm. a long time, it, particularly in that area around uh, the Baltic countries' uh, territorial waters. So given the fi- pipeline is a few thousand kilometres or 1,500 or something, but quite long undersea from Russia to uh-huh. right over to Germany. Uh, why, since Russia blew it up, why didn't they blow it up right near Russian territory where it goes into the water? To make it look like America did it. Ah, shit, you see, that's the kind of... But then your follow-up question ought to be, how the hell did we not detect them before they did it? Well, obviously, Russia has superior technology. Are you allowed but to I say that? But I thought they don't, because they need dishwashers to fire anything in Ukraine. But they used the washing machine. They used the parts of the washing machine to develop... A and that outsmarted the US. Well, well they are the smarter than because... For? <laughs> no, but you see, here's the thing. Here's how, here's how crazy the, the Russians are. Uh, they're so Machiavellian that they, the Americans are only looking for... Their, their sensors only look, look for advanced technology devices. So Russia has decided to use legacy. Ah, Russia's like so backward, they just managed to get under the radar. No, no, they're so smart oh. that they, they could use more advanced technology, but they use legacy stuff from washing machines from the 1980s. Mm-hmm because they're, so, they're almost like analog devices. Right. So that's the kind of... They were using like an analog drone. It's basically like just some PVC <laughs> <laughs> and a small circuit board from a 1980s washing machine. Uh-huh. And, and it had some explosives on it. And they used a fishing boat with a, a wire to pull it and drop it. Because <laughs> uh, well, because it was so old tech, yeah, they didn't pick it up. They didn't you pick see? it up. And they managed to succeed on, in four places with detonations. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a... Wow. That's how sneaky those Russians are. You need to be aware. You need to, you need to be careful of the Russians. Anyway, um, another question is, this was an attack by Russia on... partly owned anyway, NATO nation infrastructure right uh-huh and that's that's pretty serious like that's almost that could be construed as a declaration of war so oh yeah what about article 5 of nato collective defense uh shouldn't that have been triggered shouldn't nato have rallied around and said this is a, a t- attack on one a is delib- attack on all a deliberate attack on nato member states critical energy infrastructure by russia Therefore, we're activating Article 5, and all of NATO is now going to war against Russia. Isn't that how it works? I thought that's how it worked. At least you should talk about it. Maybe you don't follow Damn, through. I it. don't have a comeback for that. Uh, well, the answer is that, I don't know. Uh, my, my, the main question is, where the hell is Greta Thunberg? <clears throat> well, I know. This was like Ecological the biggest... disaster. I mean, it's pretty much stopped now because all of the, the gas in the pipeline has basically flowed out because it wasn't switched on from source. It was just the, the, the gas that was in the pipeline. The pipelines were full. Yeah, so that's where... So it's basically vented all of that now and it's, it's done. But it was still... The, the quantity 
because the pipeline is so long and so large, it was maybe like maybe like Denmark's annual usage. I heard that one year's use of gas in Denmark was okay. vented into the atmosphere, and Greta Thunberg is just silent about it. And it's ninety percent methane. Yeah, and I mean, the planet's temperature just raised like forty half four, a degree, four or five degrees. Yeah, or four or five. Wow. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of questions here that. Um, but then the flip side to that is the Greenies are secretly happy with such things because they want to destroy eco-terrorism. Well, terrorism against infrastructure. Are like, look at the things in, at gas stations being attacked, you know. Mm. Um, so in a sense, maybe this was a green, okay, a green so, deal. Right, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, they're willing to take that hit, that small hit of one year, like Denmark's one year usage of, uh, of, of, of natural gas can be pumped in the atmosphere. Because it saved future years. Because it stops the pipeline and pushes forward the greening, uh, use of green energy, or transition to green energy amongst... Uh, uh, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the greens behind this, basically. Maybe there's some cabal of right-wing, vegan, uh, like elites, you know, uh, who are actually behind all of this. Kind of like the vegan, sustainable vegan Illuminati. Who It did happen near Denmark and Sweden. Yeah. And th- but they're behind all of it, the whole thing, right? They want, to, they want this war, they've created this war, the whole you know, energy crisis and all that kind of stuff is them, they're, they're the ones who are pushing this because they know it'll It'll depriving Western countries and many other countries around the world if if you manage to collapse or or to seriously uh, damage the whole energy infrastructure, global energy infrastructure, global energy supply. If if you manage to damage that, you're forcing people to 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 go go forward with a green, yeah. sustainable energy transition transition. Right. So it's really that's that's who's doing it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad I got that one clear. Um. Uh, what about yeah? And so that's that's that. Uh, it's all good. Germany doesn't have to worry anymore. Uh, they can freeze this winter, but they'll be happy. Give me some idea. You were trying to explain when von der Leyen and others were saying it's all good because we have other sources coming in that make mm. up for well, here the, and there. Well, on the same Give day, the idea of the scale of what Nord Stream supplied on, on the same day, what's the, been lost now? Yeah, on the same day, the Baltic. Baltic Pipeline, I think they called it, or ball, ball something, I don't know what it was. Uh, anyway, it's a pipeline that was has been in in process, but it was weird. It was like inaugurated on the day mm-hmm. that Nord Stream 1 and 2 blew up, which is highly coincidental, right? beyond coincidence, really. Uh, so it was, they had a ceremony, an opening ceremony, an inauguration ceremony, and it's a pipeline coming using Norwegian gas from Norwegian uh, gas uh, offshore gas fields coming, and it's, it's a cooperation between Denmark, uh, and Poland, so it's a relatively small pipeline from basically go, run north to south uh, through the Baltic into Denmark and down to Poland, um, and the great fanfare. And even von der Leyen, I think that I, I don't know if I have that, but von der Leyen faded it this this just this week in the past few days on Twitter. This new pi- pipeline is going to be awesome, uh, but I looked at some of the details, and so it'll supply between three and five billion cubic meters. Per year, that that new pipeline right. that was inaugurated on the day that Nord Stream One and Two. That sounds like a lot. Are we saved? <laughs> no. Uh, no. Germany's annual consumption is eighty-eight, ninety billion. Oh, 
So this is between three and five. So three percent. Well, uh, if they have cold showers, <laughs> yeah, a lot of cold showers, um, and only in deindustrialized a bit. Yeah. Um, so Germany was using. I think Germany in Europe uses the most because it's the most industrial country, I suppose, and, and, and relies mostly on gas. It uses the most natural gas of any European country. Yeah, biggest population, too. Yeah, biggest population. Okay. Um, other countries, variable, but all quite high usage, like more or less uh, in, in keeping with their population numbers, uh, similar to Germany, a bit less than Germany, but similar numbers. So you go down the population figures in, in different countries, they consume less and less. But overall, in the EU, in the EU, EU states... It's something like something around five hundred billion uh, cubic meters per year. Yeah, and Nord Stream supplied how much of that? Nord Stream capability. Uh, well, right. probably about about twenty. Actuality from number one total, and then total number two. Between the two of them, probably was capable of supplying about a third. And the rest came from other pipelines, other sources over land. Yeah, well, also Russian pipelines. <laughs> That have since been shut down as well. The Yamal pipeline, for example, is, uh, it, is that down? Yeah, the the poles shut that down, um, or the Ukrainian slash poles shut, well, shut that what, down. What is still running? Um, Turk stream, Turk stream, Turkey, that's it. and then into Greece. That's it. What about the one through Ukraine? Nah, not doing that anymore. Sanctions, man, sanctions. And there's no wasn't there one to Finland? That's gone. Yeah, all, all they all went. So they really have shut off Russian gas. Well, excuse yeah. me, Russia shut the gas off. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, they keep saying that Russia shut, Russia shut it off. Like, it, Russia just decided they didn't want to sell gas to Europe anymore, which wasn't true. Like, obviously, it's, we know, I mean, anybody with any sense knows that it was uh, European countries who decided to stop buying Russian gas. They were very very public and open about the fact that they were cutting down, they were, you know, making definite and, and serious efforts to going forward immediately what they could do and going forward to reduce it right down to, I think they have a target of like 20, 20 Seven, five years or something? Zero. No Russian gas whatsoever. Right. Russia is going to stop existing for Europe by 2027 as an energy supplier. Even though it's like got the largest natural gas resource in the world, it's going to just, that's just going to be magically made to... Not discount. count. Not count. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Which is bizarre because that's not really how economies work. That's not how the world works. That's not how, world works. That's not how you know, global the global energy market works. You can't just take out one one particularly large consumer of natural gas. Can't just remove the largest producer of natural gas and me say how you don't exist anymore as a natural gas producer yeah. for us. It's like it's just it's just create a reality. Well, it reminds me of what they did in the financial sphere. Yeah. They just said, "Well, Russia's bankrupt." Well, how do you know? Well, we got our credit rating agencies to say it was, and that's it. Yeah, it's bankrupt. But the the ruble isn't, and the, the the amount they're earning from trade is as high as ever, yeah. and their financials are sound. Their debt remains the same, even though you confiscated about three hundred billion dollars yeah. worth of Russian goods or assets. Um, they're still rich. Yeah. So what? what but then they, they created the reality in their heads that no, it, it's defaulted. A lot of it's propaganda as well. That's a caveat. Is a lot of it's just talk, and it's not really true what they say, but. They say it anyway because they've got an agenda. Here's an example. Just throw up that picture. Just we're talking about pipelines. Here's uh, pipelines for you. This is only more or less you know Western Europe, or sorry Eastern Europe into 
more or less Western Europe. It doesn't show Spain there because that, that's kind of separate. But those are the pipelines. So the Yamal, uh, one coming through Belarus and going through Ukraine and into what's beside Ukraine there? Hung- is that, uh, Hungary or... Uh, uh, Brotherhood Holland. was the first one. Yeah. But so the, the networks to the left there in like in Poland and Germany and stuff are all po- the, at the top, you know, where that top section, Yamal, Nel, Yagal, Opel, Tag, Transgas, they all come from Russian, Russian gas. They're just networks within Europe, sure, right? Yeah. So the main arteries coming in, Yamal Europe, um, Yamal 2 never got off the little ex- extra pipelines. So there's basically two Yamal pipelines, one going through Poland, one coming through uh, Ukraine there. Yamal 2 was going to until they toppled the Austrian government. Right. Yeah, and then Transgas Tag, all that kind of stuff, are uh, connections further on, further uh, westwards. Um, Brotherhood more or less shut down because it's going straight through Ukraine. Uh, Soyuz shut down because it's, although um, one of those might still be working because they're coming from Kazakhstan. And if you look further south there, so Blue Stream, the only one which is the same, I think is the same as uh, it goes through Turkey, is the only one. The offshoot of, of Brotherhood that goes down Blue Stream, that's basically the same as uh, Turk Stream. Right. So that's the only one that's actually carrying Russian gas now down through Turkey into Bulgaria. And that's the one they tried to blow up four days before Nord Stream. And right. it was only open a couple of years ago. Right. So the only one the substantially trans- that Europe is relying on from the east is the one that von der Leyen went over to... Um, Tanap, yeah. Tanap to Azerbaijan to right. secure because a great fanfare... Because but it's like tiny right. compared to what Russia can yeah. Um There are a few more coming that aren't shown in this map coming just off the side of the map to the left. There is obviously you've got half of France. Spain is missing. But there are pipelines um, coming from Spain, from Algeria. Is, that, is, that a, is there a pipeline under There's the a pipeline sea from, from over the Mediterranean, yeah, right. um, into Spain. And Spain has a lot of uh, LNG um, terminals. Capacity. Terminals. Uh, the most in, in any European country, you know. So they can receive a lot of LNG and there's all sorts of talk about maybe because there isn't a pipeline then coming from Spain into France, for example, which would be the obviously overland rather than going undersea, which is more expensive. But the Frenchies aren't really enthusiastic about it. So there's all sorts of economic and you know maneuvering going on, um, even, even dis- despite the fact that they're all claiming that you know we're all worried about you know supplies of energy and where we're going to get them from there are other available sources that probably you know won't substitute in, in the short term for russian gas but that will do something but even then they're quibbling over it because of national interests basically you know hmm. um so it's all a bit of a, so a europe show, divided really. yeah which is what what russia wants or is it what washington wants well yeah obviously you accuse other people of what you're, what you want yourself, what you're doing yourself. So, um, and then of course we have this outrageous tweet from uh, Radek Sikorsky. Mm, yeah. What the crack was he smoking? Good stuff. Thank you, USA. Picture of Nord Stream bubbling up in the Baltic Sea. He's since taken it down, mm-hmm. but he left it up for a few days, and just about everyone got a screen a screenshot. So. The whole world saw it. Yeah, and tell him who Sikorsky is. Sikorsky now, as you can see by his title, is a member of the European Parliament, but he's a lot more than that. He's basically in a dozen American think tanks, all PNAC-type, uh, neocon, 
married to a bloody neocon and Applebaum, um, total state stenographer for the US regime, uh, virulent Russophobe, of course. And it's a fitting kind of, it's n new Polish in America with old Polish, the mm. marriage of the two. It's a great, you know. Uh, he's also probably, he, well, he's also an ex-minister. He was defense minister and finance minister at one point in Poland. He's probably looking to uh, become prime minister there at some point. If he can, if he can possibly out-Russophobe the current regime in Poland, this guy wants, uh, he wants a chance at the top seat in Poland. Um, Sikorsky. I mean, <clears throat> the guy himself, was caught on tape, sort of hot mic moment, you know, mm -hmm. years ago, complaining about how the U.S. has either Poland specifically or European countries in general on their knees, mm -hmm. i.e. the U.S. exerts undue influence on us. That's maybe 10 years old. I'll try and look for it. And 10 years later, well, thank you, USA. Thank you, USA, dot, 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 for severing Russia's energy links with Europe. Mm -hmm. thereby ensuring European dependence on the United States. LNG. That's LNG. the long-term goal here, right? It's yeah. to get everyone looking right. to More the dependent. US only. Absolutely. There's <clears throat> um, actually... Uh, I'll just give people a bit, a bit of a history here. It's, it's kind of interesting to show how things have changed and the, the subversion, let's say, of... Um, of Europe to American interests against European interests. Um, this is just, I can, I can kind of read it out, but it's a, this is a series of tweets that I, I threw up there. Um, so the, the brotherhood pipeline that you saw there, um, that has been kind of mothballed, um, on the, on the map, it's one of the pipelines that runs through Ukraine. Um, so this is uh, just a history in that pipeline. It was, it's back in the. It was it was established in the uh, uh, in the eighties or started to be built in the eighties. So the that's the name the Rengoi Pomari anyway pipeline Brotherhood pipeline. Um, the Soviet plans to build it were strongly opposed by the Reagan administration because uh, they were afraid that Western Europe would become dependent on Soviet gas supplies, giving an energy leverage to the Soviets. They also feared the Kremlin would use the export revenue for military purposes. Shock horror. Like, as if, like, <laughs> any country doesn't use some of its revenue for <coughs> military purposes. Anyway, so in December 81, <coughs> the U.S. imposed sanctions uh, preventing American companies from exporting oil and gas technologies necessary for the building of the pipeline. To the Soviet Union, uh, this was, but this building of the pipeline was done in, in, in conjunction with European countries because the gas flow was coming to Europe. Obviously, in June '82, these sanctions were expanded to cover subsidiaries of U.S. companies in Europe. Uh, the U.S.'s European allies, however, refused to boycott the pipeline, and the foreign ministers of the EU called this U.S. sanctions illegal and sent a formal note of protest. From the EU perspective, participation in the pipeline project was an opportunity for the depressed steel and engineering industry and, and as a way to diversify from OPEC oil supplies, which are controlled by the USA. <clears throat> Therefore, Western European governments insisted that the contracts already signed between the Soviets and Euro companies should be honoured. This led to several European companies being sanctioned by the US and Reagan to say, well, they can have their damn pipeline, but not with American equipment and not with American tech. Uh, and apparently it was one of the, uh, it was 
the, the this issue was one of the um, most severe transatlantic crises of the Cold War. And as I said, here we are again. But there's a lot more at stake this time. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and, it's, and a lot less resistance. The Americans didn't walk any. away last time going, well, you can do it yourselves yeah. then, which is precisely what they proceeded to do, which gave a boost to both German and Russian industry because mm-hmm. they had to build the damn thing themselves. Well, this time it's like, instead of saying you can't, you shouldn't do it, they just blew it up. Yeah, they create a fact on the ground, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, what do you call them? Again, just to cl- just to clarify that it was actually Russia that blew up the that blew up their own pipeline. And um, here's Blinken highlighting the fact that there's no reason whatsoever to believe that America had anything to do with it, and that's a conspiracy theory. Ultimately, um, this is also a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous opportunity to once and for all remove the dependence on Russian energy and thus to take away from uh, Vladimir Putin the weaponization of energy as a means of advancing uh, his uh, imperial designs. Uh, That's very significant, and that offers tremendous um, strategic opportunity for, um, for the years to come. But meanwhile, we're determined to do everything we possibly can uh, to make sure that the consequences of all of this are not borne by citizens in our countries, or for that matter, around the world. Our countries, like like Europe primarily. Uh, yeah. And we're going to do that by, by shoving as much LNG down America's, high-priced LNG down Europe's throat as possible, making shitloads of money in the process. But it's just a pure coincidence that it's a tremendous opportunity to achieve America's... Tremendous l- strategic opportunity. To, to, Amer- to achieve America's long-standing geopolitical objectives to cut Europe off from Russian energy supplies. That's just, that's been there for like decades, right? Uh, so this event that, that effectively, you know, achieves that objective or, or goes a long way to achieving that objective is purely coincidental. It's purely fortuitous and it's just an opportunity for us. We had nothing to do with it. Uh, so carry on and yeah. Imagine, imagine the mental gymnastics. It you have to be a retard. To, to believe that. You have to be a retard. Russia scored an own goal Russia blew its own pipeline up. That served America's long-term strategic interest. Mm. Putin, that's, that's is, Putin is dumb as a rock. That's how stupid they are, yeah. Look at this one. This is um, Washington Post 2004. Because I wondered, has there ever been past form for, you know, actually attacking a, sub, uh, a pipeline? Never mind saying you don't like it and threatening to sanction over it. Well, there is. Um, <clears throat> headline, can you... Can you? Does that open? I'm not sure. It might be behind mm, no. a paywall. No, it doesn't. What behind a paywall. Damn. I'll include it in the show links. Washington Post. Reagan approved plan to sabotage Soviets. So the story comes from a, a guy named Thomas Reed. He was former Air, For- Air Force Secretary who was serving on the Reagan National Security Council in 1982. He brought a plan to Reagan which he approved, to covertly blow up one of the Russian pipelines. Which one? I don't know. I don't think it's named. The key thing here is this was never confirmed or denied by either side, so it went down as a secret. Mm -hmm. And it's only this guy's Thomas Reed's memoirs that claims he conceived it, the plan was approved, and that they carried it out. Mm. Um, 
somewhere in Russia proper. It was, I think he calls it the Trans-Siberian Pipeline. Which one mm-hmm. that corresponds to? Maybe Brotherhood? I don't know. Um, I hacked it. Oh, good job. <laughs> good job. There it's it not is. the whole thing, but... So this is from almost 20 years ago about an event 40 years ago in which a U.S. official, Air Force Secretary, claims in his memoirs, we blew up a Russian pipeline. Um, hmm. And that the way they did it, the way they did it sounds very sophisticated. Um, it sounds a bit too fantastical. But maybe, I don't know enough about this. What he claimed was that they got wind of a a kind of a network of spies in the, in the U.S., of Soviet spies that were trying to get clean as much Western tech as possible. And so they flipped this spying operation on itself by feeding it deliberately um, corrupted or Trojan stuff that would actually cause critical infrastructure issues back in Russia when it was applied. Mm-hmm. And he claimed that it was software. Now, this is where it's tricky. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been software communicated through the internet. The internet didn't exist, but software nonetheless introduced into an early computing digital system the Soviets used. This is why I I can't get a a picture on what the tech was like. There's a counter to this theory, which is that, nah, nah, back in 1982, it was all manual and or hydraulically controlled. So Mm -hmm. if Russia turns a valve on or off, Mm -hmm. it has to be done locally and manually. He's claiming that no, in fact, there there was some digitization by that point. Anyway, this flawed software caused the controlling of valves to go haywire, massive overpressurization in the line, and then it exploded. Hmm. Um, he specifically said, we saw this explosion from space, hmm. and uh, guys down the road at the Pentagon were so alarmed by it, they thought a nuclear bomb had gone off. It was the largest, brightest explosion they'd ever seen. Sure, that would be in the record somewhere, like on, on some explosion, even if it isn't uh, ascribed to uh, America or even a you know, pipeline attack or anything like that. Look up Wikipedia. Tro- troll Wikipedia for, for well, some reference to it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's too grand because he goes on to say that the software or similar types of software um, were introduced elsewhere and it caused critical infrastructure failures in Russia throughout the 80s. Hmm. And he both uh, contributed significantly to ultimately the, the political collapse of the USSR. Maybe. Um, okay, so maybe this is fantasy or, the, or disinfo or something like that. But at the very least, someone in the United States sketched out what their fantasy would be to destroy pipelines in Russia. Hmm. 40 years ago or hmm. at least 20 years ago, reflecting back on 40 years, you know. Yeah. So maybe it was Reagan-approved plan, wishful thinking plan, hmm. but now it's actual. Yeah. Well, just before you go too far with your conspiracy theorizing there. Um, it's not mine. It's a bloody U- U.S. Air Force secretary. He's a conspiracy theorist <laughs> too. AP has a word on, on, the, on the final word on the Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2 uh, explosions. Uh, the suggestion that the U.S. caused the damage was circulating on online forums popular with American conservatives and followers of QAnon which is a conspiracy theory movement which asserts that Trump is fighting a battle against a satanic child trafficking sect that controls world events. So, Neil, you don't want to be associated with that kind of thing, okay? Uh, 
If your deductive reasoning leads you and millions of other people with a functioning brain to conclude that America most likely blew up the pipeline, you are effectively part of a group that believes that Trump is fighting a battle against the satanic child trafficking sect that controls the world. Anyway, just so you know, just so you know what you're getting yourself into, uh, for a warning, according to AP. Anyway, um, clown shoes. Clown shoes. Uh, yeah, they so think it's clever. They, they think it kind of shit has a psychological effect. It, maybe it does on some people because you don't want to be associated with it, so you back away. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh. yeah. yeah guilt it's, it's a psycho's, uh, psycho's bluff. It's, yeah. A bit like Russian troll, the Russian troll thing. Psycho's bluff. Yeah. You know, because you start defending, well, no, 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 I'm not, you know. Some, some of my best friends are Westerners, that kind of shit, you know. You're in, you're in the frame mm-hmm. they've set up for you, mm-hmm. you're trapped. Mm-hmm. You actually want to come out and say, yeah, I'm not only a Russian troll, I am the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. Putin listens to me. It's mm-hmm. my brain. You, know? mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you have to mock it because it's farcical, right? Yeah. But if you start to take it as real, Engage with it, yeah. it, it will it maybe not so much affect you, but it will affect others around you. you know, it, it's, it's clever. Yeah. It's, it's, it's psychopathic. But, so the other thing that happened this week, major event was... Um, as you mentioned earlier on, the incorporation of four regions into Russia by a referendum. Well, I think referendum. Nord Stream was a response. They knew it was coming three days later, so Nord Stream was the American response. Yeah, take that. Putin. Oh, there's two things we didn't include. I don't know if you want to bother at this point, but we have Biden and Newland saying yeah. before the invasion started in Last February, December, yeah. Biden in December. January, whatever. Yeah. Listen, if Russia does invade Ukraine, that's the end of Nord Stream. Yep. The journalist clarifies to him. But, of course, she's trapped in the frame. She goes, but, sir, Germany is a sovereign country. How can you make... And Biden just with his squinty, coal black eyes smirks at her and says, we'll put an end to it. Yep. And Newland says, one way or, or another. another. That's yep. obviously... Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Referenda then this week... Uh, Incorporation of four regions into Russia up in the um, up in the stakes, I suppose, um, because so far. Well, first of all, let's let's acknowledge that. I mean, they're sham referendum. Sham well, referendum. They'll, they'll say sham on two levels. One is that you can't just call them like that. You know, in because, a war zone because it's a war zone. But okay, that's one issue. The other issue is: are they sham because the results are fake? Because we don't like the results, but they're probably real, aren't they? They're representative. Because I thought it was interesting that the clear majority are, 99, 98, are the two that have suffered the most. People united in grief. Whereas the other two, it's more new for them, Zaporizhia and mm-hmm. her son. Plus the fact that there just maybe aren't as many people who would have, before all this, considered themselves ethnic Russian. You've got more, no, I'm Ukrainian yeah. identity in those two regions. So it was yeah. realistic, I think. It was still a clear majority in all four, but you you had a more realistic breakdown. Yeah. Um, well, if you have a look at the have a look at these, for example, give you some historical context. Um, this first one is two thousand four elections, general elections in um, Ukraine, and the way people voted. Um, so, just so you know, Yanukovych was a kind of more or less pro-Russian uh, politician in that election and Yushchenko was more or less the Western um, 
colour revolution <coughs> uh, presidential candidate <coughs> uh, in that election. Uh, he won Yushchenko uh, in 2004. And there's the voting. So basically blue, colour, some colour of blue, purple, whatever. Um, is people who voted essentially to be aligned with Russia and the other colour um, <laughs> yeah, is, is pro-Western. Uh, so that's that's that one. I was just trying to think there of, of a better description of that colour than blue or purple. My wife would definitely have a better description of it, but not me. Anyway, um, the second one is um, from the subsequent... I think this was... Yeah, this this was uh, 2000... The last one before the coup? Yeah. 10, uh, 11. Yeah. <clears throat> um, again, uh, so then Yanukovych, <clears throat> again, the pro-Russian guy, he's, he's back. And uh, Timoshenko, obviously pro-Western. So, again, this is you see the same pattern of the way people voted, either looking west or looking east, essentially. Yeah. But then, and the more west you go, the more western, the more and yeah, so on. It's, exactly. it's really as a country pulled apart, right? And then, interestingly, though, you can go back a long time because you could say, "Well, that's just modern, or whatever." But it's interesting to go, actually go back uh, quite a while. I think this is um, it's nineteen twenty six, and it's in Russian, uh, but it shows uh, people um, how they identified ethnically, how they saw themselves. With the <clears throat> the shaded basically colours being mm, people identified as Russian, effectively, and that's in 1926. So this has been something that's, and it's the same in many many countries, you know, as we know, and it's been something that's been exploited in many countries, which is uh, ethnic divide, and it's easily exploitable if someone wants to exploit it. Uh, some people try to keep it together and keep it under wraps and, uh, and help people. You know, of, of different ethnic backgrounds. You know, good, good leaders uh, attempt to keep that under wraps and keep people living together peaceably. Well, people who Russia want to, for starters. Yeah, Russia obviously has a, has a long, you know, has a, has a long history, a long experience of doing that in such a big country with such a massive, such a large ethnic divide across it, and they've done pretty well doing that. But uh, yeah, uh, so it's just just to show you that this is something that goes back a long way, and the, it's interesting to see the voting practices kind of reflecting. Something that goes back almost 100 years. Voting yeah. practices up until today. Um, so anyways, so they have these referenda. People, you can, like I said, it was representative. Whether or not the actual numbers were, every, if everybody voted or, or, or if numbers were massaged in some way, whatever the bottom line is. Well, international observers were impressed. Exactly, yeah. So I, I have no problem with, with it being representative of the will of the majority of the people in those regions. Mm. Uh, the problem is that it... And it's a, it was a manoeuvre by the Russians, obviously, to make this, these four regions part of Russia because now NATO is, has another kind of dilemma in a certain sense. They get rid of their Nord Stream, uh, German reliance on Nord Stream or Russian gas dilemma, but uh, Putin gave them another dilemma with this situation where their NATO has to decide now whether they're going to effectively... I mean, whether this means anything or not in practice, officially NATO... Supplying Ukrainian troops is a party to a war directly with Russia, not in Ukraine. Prior to these referenda, NATO was simply helping Ukraine 
defend its territory against Russia, who, who had invaded Ukrainian territory. Now, any help by the US or any Western allies or whatever to the Ukrainians to attack these four regions is a direct attack on Russian territory, officially. Officially from Russia's perspective? Officially from any perspective. Anybody who reads it would have to say that's officially what it is. Of course, yeah, they might say that these aren't actually... Um, well, th these, th these, they won't recognize... They, they don't recognize the referendum, yeah. But the only way this matters... They don't say it's right. ...is they if say, the yeah. Russians treat it accordingly on their side. If they believe it, yeah. If they decide now, that that's the case. But what, it, it what does, does that change like they practically? Because they announced partial mobilization last week. Yeah, as it part does of look the like referendum. They yeah. fact that they do. All kinds of rumors about bringing out the big guns, um, but not seen yet. But, but as we explained last week, this this process would take time. But from it's a practical perspective, overnight. what does it change? What's Russia going to do? Is it going to do anything different? Or is it going to continue well, on to fight against well, Ukraine? It wouldn't be a special military operation anymore. It would be you can defense the, of the motherland. Right. You can change the name of it, which in practice means you know uh, black swans dropping a heavy tonnage of bombs on Ukraine. Maybe. But that, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's what people are expecting. Oh, we don't know, yeah. But uh, this week, people expect it to happen, like, on the stroke of midnight. Mm -hmm. Putin ends his speech, and then they're like... But, mm -hmm. the, no, the partial mobilization takes time. Mm -hmm. They're showing videos on Russian news of the training the reservists are going through. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. They say they've all had experience. A lot of them would just look like they're holding a gun for the first time. Mm -hmm. They're not just going to be sent in this week. Right. This is like next year. Remember what Putin said. This is probably going to go on until next year. Mm -hmm. This is not uh, overnight. Of course, in the last day, possibly as a, probably as a response to this, to kind of capture the headlines back for Ukraine, to give the West something else to talk about, other than huge crowds of Russians waving their flags and cheering on Putin, um, is the news that an apparently strategic town, Liman. Uh, Liman, has fallen to Ukraine. Yeah, well, the Russian fallen as in the fallen, Russians. The Russians left. The Russians left, and Liman is, I think, it's twenty thousand people. That's twenty square kilometers. Again, propaganda rules the day here. It's like everybody thinks, you know, that obviously the Ukrainians will, you know, be, be bigging it up as a major victory and all that kind of stuff, along with the Western media. But practically, whatever. It's just it's from. Mor morale has a lot to do with all of this, right? Uh, what you're seen to be, if you're seen to be winning or seen to be losing, whether or not you're actually losing. I think, and that's why the Russian government in particular doesn't really care too much about propaganda. Like, obviously, the West is completely dominant in propaganda along the Ukrainians. Um, the Russian government doesn't really care because it's confident that it doesn't need to fight that propaganda war because at the end of the day, it's, it has its own objectives, and it will continue. You know, they they don't believe that the propaganda war, the information war, has much of an effect. Well, they might, if they weren't sure about how the, the population as a whole feels about it. Mm. I think they don't care about the propaganda war no. because they're the, confident the, that the mass of the Russian population yeah. is inoculated against mm -hmm. being turned. Right. That's the only thing that's important to yeah. them. The Western population, they're like. Whatever you can say, win. what you want. We're yeah. not <laughs> trying to convince them. Yep. Um, it's our own population. If our own population throws a spanner in the works and the reserve starts shooting their commanders in large numbers, and there's a freaking mutiny like there was when the first Soviets formed in 1917, then we've got a freaking problem. Mm. But they're confident that 
the people are behind them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and this is people. People get focused on the minutia, and it, it kind of bores me. Like I mean, okay, it's interesting to look at the details and stuff, but that's not really the the point. You know, there obviously is a bigger. Uh, a bigger game being played here, and this is part of a bigger game. And as you know, Putin has said repeatedly, it's part of a, a transition from a multipolar or a unipolar world dominated by America to a multipolar world. Um, and I mean, you could arguably say that if, if having declared these four regions part of Russia, and if Russia then over the next few months can actually take, you know, like occupy the rest of the reasons that it do, uh, uh, the rest of those regions that it doesn't occupy right now up to their borders. You could arguably say that they could say um, that that is the the achieve, that's that's the culmination of all of our special military operation. It's um, we've achieved our goals, and it's over, and we won. We took twenty percent of Russian territory. We took you know there's eight million people incorporated into Russia and all the natural resources and uh, of those regions, and done. See you later. We're packing up and going home. We won. Nah, 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 nah. We won. We got what we wanted. Bye-bye. You know what I mean? They could do that, you know? Um, but again, it's part of it. The whole thing is, obviously, there's a lot more implications in terms of all the stuff we've talked about, but in terms of energy and stuff. And on the day, as part of this, his speech about the incorporation of the four regions into the Russian Federation, um, Putin again made it, you know, spoke spoke to that, spoke to that broader... Uh, broad scale changes and the, the, the bigger game that's being played uh, uh, and the transformation that's uh, um, underway and I think that's something that you know you always have to remind yourself of and, and look to you know what I mean that don't get focused on who's going to win a particular battle in Ukraine or whether the, what you think is winning or losing in Ukraine is significant it's not if you just throw it up there Scotty uh, and scroll down to um, if you go down towards the bottom, it's pr- pretty much, um, it begins with, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, but seven paragraphs from the bottom. So it begins with uh, today, or no, uh, does it? No. It, yeah, it's, it's the world has, the world has entered. There you go. The world has entered a period of a fundamental revolutionary transformation. New centers of power are emerging, and they represent the majority, the majority of the international community. They are ready not only to declare their interests, but also to protect them. They see in multipolarity an opportunity to strengthen their sovereignty, which means gaining genuine freedom, historical prospects, and the right to their own independent, creative, and distinctive forms of development to a harmonious process. This is Putin, by the way, I'm quoting. As I have already said, we have many like-minded people in Europe and the United States, and we feel and see their support. Hmm, who would have thought that? At least that's what he thinks. An essentially emancipatory anti-colonial movement against unipolar hegemony is taking shape in the most diverse countries and societies. Its power will only grow, grow with time. It is this force that will determine our future geopolitical reality. So populism is going to determine our future geopolitical reality, basically. Today we are fighting for a just and free path, first of all for ourselves, for Russia, in order to leave dictate and despotism in the past. I am convinced that countries and peoples understand that a policy based on the exceptionalism of whoever it may be and the suppression of other cultures and peoples is inherently criminal and that we must close this shameful chapter. 
the ongoing collapse of Western hegemony is irreversible, Neil. And I repeat, things will never be the same globally. The battlefield to which destiny and history have called us is a battlefield for our people, for the great historical Russia, for the great historical Russia, for future generations, our children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren. We must protect them against enslavement and monstrous experiments that are designed to cripple their minds and souls. Today we are fighting so that it would never occur to anyone that Russia, our people, our language or our culture can be erased from history. Today we need a consolidated society and this consolidation can only be based on sovereignty, freedom, creation and justice. Our values are humanity, mercy and compassion. And I want to close with the words of a true patriot, Ivan Ilyin. If I consider Russia my motherland, that means that I love as a Russian, contemplate and think, sing and speak as a Russian, that I believe in the spiritual strength of the Russian people. Its spirit is my spirit, its destiny is my destiny, its suffering is my grief, and its prosperity is my joy. And then he just talks about the, the four regions and that they made the choice to be with their people, to be with their motherland, to share its destiny, and to be victorious together with it. The truth is with us, and behind us is Russia. It's not an interesting ending. It's not uh, God is with Russia, which is the offic- it's an official slogan of Ukraine. It's not God bless Russia, like God bless USA, mm-hmm. but the official closing slogan used mm-hmm. in the United States. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth will set you free. Russia. The truth is the most, according to, according to him, he believes the truth is the most powerful force. It's More the, powerful it's the than highest God. Force. It's the highest force. Or maybe it is God. It's an extraordinary, ex- the, the second half of the concluding statements that you, there's a switch. He switches back to talking about us as in our Russian people, the Russian people, our motherland. And, you know, that's, he's, he's. I don't know if it's intended that way, but he just to wrap it up, he turns it. It seems like a turn back to talking to his Russian audience. But the first part of the conclusion, it's about it's, and many other parts of the whole speech are about people anywhere on this earth. And he calls to them specifically. Mm-hmm. They mentioned briefly in there that, you know, there are many in the West, even in Europe and America who see it as we do. Um, scary get them out of here like it's it's there's two there's two levels to it it's patriotic obviously there needs to be a rallying cry for Russian people to get behind his use of Russia as an instrument for a bigger thing mm-hmm. he has in his sights uh, this for me is the the, the the revelation of 2022 is the clarity now I suspected it as long ago as 2014, but it's clear eight years later that Putin has a grand plan, a grand plan or vision um, of how things ought to be. He, I mean, he is like Spartacus leading a slave rebellion. Only this isn't like just a forum in Rome. This is this is global, and to, to back that up, I cite. Look at all the references he made in a sweeping speech that goes back hundreds of years. He goes back to the medieval times and the beginning of European colonialism and lists the crimes and injustices of said colonialism. Mm-hmm. Then says it's still going on today. It's still colonialist. They say all these things, but it's all lies. Mm-hmm. You know, 
the way they act and behave is the same. Mm-hmm. And then within that, to make sure he's not making a sweeping statement about all Westerners, we saw in the conclusion that he makes a distinction. But elsewhere earlier in the speech, he makes a distinction between, he says the Western elites are so nuts these days that they're blaming their own populations for the crimes of their colonial past mm-hmm. and punishing them accordingly. So he calls that out too. This is like, this is so sweeping. And, yeah. Um, it's like if you were an ardent anti-imperialist lefty and you were to pack all the crimes of European colonialism and then today more broadly globalist neo-colonialism into one speech, what are the things you would list off? The opium wars in China. Mm-hmm. The enslavement of Africa, the slave trade in Africa. It's all there in one speech, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's so clear, it's so concise. And this is why they, they absolutely have to trash the man in the West. Because people really, if they heard this speech, they, if they read it, um, there's very little for anyone to disagree with. Even some wow. of his flagrant critics, they were like, this speech, this speech is crazy. And they, they point out all the things that are true. And then they conclude... But it's still nuts, mm-hmm. you know what he's doing, because the the guy I have in mind is a kind of a, an atheist podcaster. Somebody's been on Joe Rogan a few times. Forget his name. I think he's British, um, and so he's he's lefty. He's coming at this as a lefty, and he's like all the colonial stuff. He's like true, true, true. Ah, but here. Here he's declaring holy war on the West. This thing about Satanism, mm. that thing that the AP brings up about QAnon and how mm. batshit crazy it was, mm-hmm. that they want to take our kids, you know, and either be pedophiles toward them or conduct experiments on them. Yeah. That's where they balk and they go, no, 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 no. Right. This, is, this, is, this is far right, you know, this is neo-Hitler stuff. But the thing is, it's neither far left nor far right. It's just things that are true. Mm. He just spoke the truth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, can you find anything in there that you would disagree with? No, but that's from my perspective. But isn't it remarkable that your perspective, which is far older than what is Putin it, well, just declared here, is, yeah. is is the same on almost all counts? Yeah, going back twenty years. Yeah, exactly. You didn't know there was a world leader out there until now who shared the same perspective as you. No, but that's because uh, I've been subverted by Russian propaganda. You see, that's why it's horseshit. <clears throat> All of us Western distance have been saying this shit for 20 years. Or more, yeah. Then, now we have, it turns out, a patron, so to speak, mm-hmm. who has nukes in his arsenal, among other things. Mm-hmm. But that, that Russian troll, that's obviously horseshit, after-the-fact horseshit, by the two-dimensional thinkers out there who go, what's going on in the world? Oh, yeah, look, they just I up. see Putin saying some things, and I see all these other... And they sound like, oh, it must be coming from the Kremlin. Yeah. No, you dipshits. I get my daily briefings He's from the a Kremlin. truther, like everyone else was before he either realized himself he was a truther, oh, or he's been holding this shit in for 20 years, waiting for the right moment to blast it all out more and right. go. He's biding his time, yeah. Because when you, when you come out and say that in the public stage, you've got to have something to back it up with. Right. Otherwise, you're a goner. You've got color revolution tomorrow. You've got assassination in the plane the next day. You name it. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a great bit in this where he's like decrying like the <clears throat> obsequious nature of other leaders who won't stand up, but he knows that they think the same thing. He says the U.S. referring to the neo-colonial aspect of 
today's system. The mm. U.S. actually continues to occupy Germany, Japan, the Republic of Korea, and other countries, which they cynically refer to as equals and allies. Look now, what kind of alliance is that? The whole world knows that the top officials in these countries are being spied on and that their offices and homes are bugged. It's a disgrace. A disgrace for those who do this and for those who, like slaves, silently and meekly swallow this arrogant behavior. Mm -hmm. One more paragraph, the subsequent I think it was two down from that. Washington demands more and more sanctions against Russia and the majority of European politicians obediently go along with it. They clearly understand that by pressuring the EU to completely give up Russian energy and other resources, the United States is practically pushing Europe towards deindustrialization mm -hmm. in a bid to get its hands on the entire European market. The European elites understand everything. They do, but they prefer to serve the interests of others. This is no longer servility, but direct betrayal of their own peoples. And then in his Putin-esque way, he says, well, God bless them. It's up to them. I mean, he wouldn't have ever said that before because that's going to risk diplomatic issues. Can you imagine if he says that and then he has to go and talk to Merkel about it? What the hell did you just say about me? You know, you caused me a problem at home. I now have the AFD rising in the polls against me mm -hmm. because of what you just said. Mm -hmm. Now he doesn't give a shit. Now he's all in. He's like, get the AFD, get the Trumpist. Get anyone populist, anyone just come up and take over these people because these insane people are a threat to me personally, obviously, to the Russian people and to their own people. Hmm. Somebody in the comments there said, he's got a funny name. Go, go to the comments there. Somebody in the comments uh, said, um, down the bottom, leakage, I'm going to try and pronounce that. I don't think Putin is really fighting the new world order. What what, do you, what does he mean by the new world order? You know, yep. it's all like there's different, so many different versions of it. Um, well, he's fighting America, obviously, the Atlanticists, right? Well, Anglo-American for us, that, that is objectively the new world order. Yeah, they're pushing for it. Now, new there's world. other versions. There's a one that in the right in America says, no, 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 it's not us because you don't want it to. You don't want to be the bad guy. It's the UN coming in with the Black Hawk helicopters in the dead of night. They're about to take us over any day now. Mm. No, that's that's. It's That's bit, disinformation yeah. from the CIA. The United States is the New World Order. We've been in the New World Order for 75 years. It's been, well, yeah. And it it's has coming to a head, satanic though. characteristics. Or it, it didn't always have those. You're starting to sound like QAnon. Oh, now. fuck it. They, Putin himself said it. Putin himself said it. He cited Satanism. He mm. said, what is it? If, He's QAnon. He's Q. He, he didn't just say Satanism. Like, he gave a definition of it. He said, what is it if you're not just flipping the values um, of everything, family values, whatever, cultural values, and making the reverse of them? What is it if not a religion in reverse? Satanism. Hmm. You know? And um, Putin's not really fighting the new world. I suppose that the push, the, the most recent thing they give proponents of that argument is Putin, where was Putin on COVID? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good point. He seemed to be on side. In contrast to Belarus' leader, Lukashenko, mm -hmm. who spoke out against it, acted against it. Mm -hmm. Putin instead went, yeah, okay, mass vaccines, yeah, okay, yeah, lockdowns. But then when did COVID end? I mean, the worst of the excesses of all the measures. When did that all just suddenly go away? Mm. 
except for the bloody vaccines, but whatever. When did the most punitive totalitarian yeah, well, aspects of it go away? They went away on February 24, 2022. It was replaced by that, yeah. Which, that, again, it only speaks to a strategy. Mm. How else does Putin keep this in? These are his true thoughts now revealed. Mm-hmm. He also can only do so much. People who think are looking for some kind of savior is going to come like a a variation of Jesus coming back or something like that to uh, to save humanity. Uh, you know that's not going to happen. You know, um, and someone like Putin is is the best we've got in that respect to 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 do what he can and what he can do is limited, but he can do enough. And and like we've said, I think we said previously, the main point about all this is that in pushing back against America. And its designs on the world effectively to maintain its and increase its hegemony. Having someone to simply push back and say no and be able to mean it exposes the fact that that is what America is doing and exposes the hypocrisy and the lies and the criminality of the Americans. And that's the most valuable thing, really. Apart from any changes on the ground or whatever, it's actually exposing for the population what America is really all about. And they're forced to come out and admit what they're about. Because they're being challenged by someone. And that's the main benefit, as far as I can see, on a broad scale, on a kind of macro scale. Yeah. But sentiments like this wish there was no order. That you're a statist hmm. if you believe in any kind of order. Oh, yeah, law and order. So you're one of them statists. Well, I believe that everyone, everyone is a beautiful potential human being at heart. And all have agency. Mm. And everyone should just be let be, like in an anarchic type of system. It would be glorious. Mm. There should be no world order of any type. Mm. You see, that's, that's the kind of uh, ultra-libertarian, it, it comes, it's, it's a Western thing, you know. It comes from our the constant thing we drone, the, had droned into it, you know, individual freedom. Well, the indivi- everyone has individual, individual autonomy. Everyone gets to vote in free and fair elections, right, the blah, indivi- blah, blah. The individual is, is paramount, and that's the kind of stuff that Peterson talks about, like the individual is most important, you know, pushing back against the idea of group identity and, and um, in groups and all that kind of stuff, and group ideology pushing back against that, that the individual is the most important in a society. But that's true, but each individual isn't capable of ruling the world themselves or ruling their own, own world. Uh, human nature, by definition, requires uh, a kind of a hierarchy and you want it to be a benevolent one and you need to have some kind of a state organization and some kind of a uh, leadership and all that kind of stuff. And the real problem is, do you have good ones or bad ones? You're not going to get, a, you know, pushing all that responsibility back on human beings. It's not the way human nature works and never has and never will as long as they're here. So people arguing for that are just don't understand. They're, they're deluded. They haven't really looked at human nature and, and, and the masses of human beings on this planet and how they've lived out their lives throughout the, throughout or, the millennia. Or just it's watch not, the last three years. Yeah. Govern me harder, at, Daddy. At, at what mean, a clown show it is, yeah. At, at its worst, when it hit first, we watched 95% of people, yeah. including the ostensible libertarians online, I'm against the state. Yeah. They all just went, yeah, it's a, it's a real... Guys, are you looking at the numbers? It's it, it's not people actually like death. People are dying. I mean, um, uh, but Zelensky joined NATO. <laughs> Put him up there, Scotty. It was a it was a grand ceremony. All the pomp and circumstance, as you might expect to see, um, as you might expect to see at a at a joining of NATO ceremony. Here it is. That's um, Zelensky and two dudes, anyway, in the street with a small coffee table. One of them's a minister of defense, the minister guy on his left. 
the guy on the left is the minister of uh, cakes and, <laughs> and pies. And, and, and pies. And, uh, go ahead. Ми робимо свій визначальний крок, підписуючи заявку України на вступ у присвоєному порядку в НАТО. gravity of the ceremony. How was he cleaned that street? Of people. He's saying they're... <laughs> He's signing for a, another shipment of coke. <laughs> and we're done. We're in NATO. <laughs> <laughs> Let the celebrations begin. Good job. So... That's kind I of feel sorry from Stoltenberg. The bollocks should have been there at least to give it some. Mm. But at least von der Leyen went to Kiev and stood with him when he signed the similar thing for accession for the EU. to the EU. Yeah. NATO, no, there was pushback, obviously. The NATO, NATO said, yeah, uh, not now. <laughs> uh, I have to go. Well, See, yeah, we'll talk about that later, Vladimir. On the day of the session signing ceremony Kremlin and Putin's speech breaking news headlines NATO NATO Secretary General is going to give a, a momentous speech so they try to whip up the similar kind of mm-hmm. and so everyone tuned in and you know, people were oh Jesus they're about to declare Ukraine is in NATO World War 3 and so everyone's like what's so embarrassing he says uh, uh, we will never recognise these referenda and, uh, and Ukraine won't be joining NATO and, and uh, Slava uh, Ukraine Slava Ukraine. Uh, here's, here's, uh, here's some more guns. See you later. Um, Wait, I have more on the speech. Go ahead. We can't walk away from that. No, That's it's long. It. Go on ahead. Um, Stick it up there. So call out what you're reading. And Scotty can search for the first, first few letters, first few words. Okay, sorry. Um, this the? is kind of like Putin the historian. What's the, what's the first It letter? begins, um, and here it is important. There you go. So it's a kind of an aside, right? Um, he's already listed a bunch of crimes, some of them colonial era, some of them 20th century. And here it is important to recall that the West bailed itself out of its early 20th century challenges with World War I. Mm-hmm. Okay. Profits from World War II helped the United States finally overcome the Great Depression mm-hmm. and become the largest economy in the world. Mm-hmm. And, to oppose, Lend, please. and to oppose on the planet the power of the dollar as a global reserve currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, things came to a head again in the 1980s. The West emerged from it unscathed, largely by appropriating the inheritance inheritance and resources of the collapsed and defunct Soviet Union. That's a fact. Now, I think most people would be like, what? That's not a fact, dude. None of that's... Well, what? I, I actually know that's factual. Yeah, I happen to... Well, we have looked well, into some well, of just the, read a history it, book. Well, well not yeah, read a history book. It's well, only well, in the last 10 years that a history book of any real consequence about the First World War has emerged. Yes, okay. Well, but the fact that America financed at least the Second World War, financed European nations fighting the Second World War and then imposed... Uh, all of it was on loan. All of the all of the weapons and and, and um, you know uh, military industrial 
apparatus that the European countries needed to fight, including Germany, to, to fight the Second World War, were all on loan. And Germany itself was paying back to America Second World War loans until 2011. Look it up. Mm-hmm. So all of this is like, he not just wants to tear down postmodernist the United States, he's saying the entire basis yeah. for the West is the best has always been through based on corruption deceitful means. Yeah. Y'all aren't up there number one because because you deserve the to sweat be of your brow yeah. and all the rest of us are backward yeah. S holes as Trump would call them. It's not manifest that you can just plunder from at will. It's not manifest destiny. It's it's through connivance and um and, and yeah corruption and you know deceitful deceitful practices. So it doesn't deserve to have that position. Is what that's kind of the core of his argument is that the, the West uh, doesn't deserve to be in the position it's in morally, and from a practical point of view, it's no longer acceptable. It hasn't been acceptable for a long time, but at this point, there are other countries in the world who have got the shitty end of the stick uh, for for quite a long time, and according to Putin, they are no longer willing to accept it. And they're in a position to do something about it. And they're going to try to do something about it, which, you know, implies a major resh- a major shaking up of the world order and all of that entails, which is a lot of chaos and possibly destruction if America can have its way. Um, but that he set on that course and he's not turning back. You mentioned uh, Jordan Peterson. Mm. You remember his fir- the first videos where he's actually arguing with lefty students at the University of Toronto mm. having a debate outdoors on the streets, you know. Like Bill C-19, yeah. Uh, from that came, you know, lots of memes and songs and so on, and the moniker now, a social justice warrior. Mm. He doesn't mock them necessarily. His serious point to try to get into their heads was, you lefties have overinflated ideas about the effect, the power you can have on change in the world. I'm sure you believe it's for the best. Mm-hmm. But... We've seen those things, and they nearly always turn bad. They nearly always don't work. In fact, he said simply, they don't work. Start with changing yourself. Start with changing dynamics in your family. You work out from here. You, you guys, you're not going to change the world, but Putin actually merits the title. Maybe not social justice warrior, because he mentioned social justice and inequality, etc., all through his speech. But mm-hmm. he is a global justice warrior. And it's merited. He can actually affect change. He's just one man, I know. But he can be the messenger for it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, all it takes is someone with that idea and with, the, with at least some means to, to make it happen, you know, to start the ball rolling, basically. Someone to stand up, because yeah, most of the rest of the world are effectively relatively cowards compared to Putin. They might want it, India, China. China's doing its bit or whatever, but none of them are going to stand up and go toe-to-toe with the, the American, with the, he, the hegemon, right? Uh, to, 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 to do what he's trying to do, someone needs to stand up and take, be the leader in that respect, mm. to, to lead that charge. Because it's, it's clear that no one else, Modi, uh, Xi, um, well, two of the main countries, let's say, because of, of their populations, uh, they would be candidates for it, but obviously they're not, not going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but they may follow. You know? Yeah, you go ahead and we'll uh, see how it goes and uh, we'll follow you on up type thing. You know? uh, well, P- Putin is taking uh, a chance here. Um, he's not, he, I don't think he's any... He sounds very certain. Mm-hmm. He, he probably is certain 
deserves to be certain in his analysis of the overall trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be Russia that leads it. It may not be me personally that leads it. But this is an ongoing historical process of change. We've explained why in the past technological development means now Iran can innovate and create its own drones that can mm-hmm. take out U.S. systems mm-hmm. and so on. But he has a caveat, I noticed, in the speech. And it's one that you spoke of many years ago about what would ultimately happen if the United States and or slash the globalist international class uh, system realized, you know what, we've lost it. Mm-hmm. You always said they would wreck the chessboard mm-hmm. so that if, if we can't have it and you're, you want to end yeah. hegemony, no one has it. Mm-hmm. The ultimate threat would be a mad type scenario. But mm-hmm. even short of that, they have other ways of wrecking the economy. Mm-hmm. We just saw what happened to Nord Stream last week. He says inside the speech, I cannot rule out that they will try to trigger a collapse of the entire system mm-hmm. and blame everything on that or, God forbid, decide to use the old formula of economic growth through war. Mm-hmm. So he's aware that of the risks inherent in what he, what the, the, the role he's playing within this process. It's not mm-hmm. him doing all of it as much as the Western media wants everyone to think he is doing all of it. Obviously not. He's a kind of a messenger or a coalescing point for yep. part of it. But that's interesting that he is doing this in the awareness that they might like the pigeon shitting on the chessboard, just flip the whole thing mm-hmm. or try to. Um, and no doubt that state, his hand in timing this, he thought, was, I think he explicitly said it in the speech, well, Russia is ready now at this point to take on the risk of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. That's why we didn't do it eight years ago mm-hmm. or before that even. So, yeah. Uh, stick up uh, just to give you the idea of the the frame in which which you know this is being looked at. Of course, market setting this as a fight against good and evil and stuff, and that obviously it's been taken up by many people. But this is uh, well, Putin is now too. Yeah, of course. Only yeah. so you got to decide who's good and who's evil. But there's references then that people cling to that can understand it. You know, put that one up there, Scotty. Um, this is <laughs> Luke Skywalker himself. Let's hear what Luke has to say. He did reference the movies, and uh, it's it's not hard to understand why. I mean, Star Wars was always a fairy tale for children, and fairy tales are morality tales of good versus evil, where good is clearly defined, evil is clearly defined, and it's not hard to extrapolate an evil empire with, with Russia uh, invading a sovereign nation. So... Uh, it's not surprising. And that's probably what uh, appealed to him about me is that those movies touch so many people all around the world. Uh, I never expected it, A, to have that kind of global appeal and B, to have lasted as long as it has. But Mm -hmm. it is a chance to use it for good. And I feel a, a great responsibility to try and uh, do everything I can to uh, further uh, the Ukrainian cause. Yeah. And you won't have any effect. You, you useless social justice warrior. Use the force, Luke. To uh, fi- s- use the force, Luke, to figure out what the fuck is really going on. 
I've seen this movie before, for Christ's sake. <laughs> when the neocons first appeared with the Reagan administration in 1980, they went on a major campaign using Star Wars mm-hmm. to call Russia the evil empire. Mm-hmm. That was after 10 years of detente. Mm-hmm. It was new. And they went on and on about it all through the 1980s. And it did. It was part of the propaganda effort and partly also a sabotage economic stuff and uh, giving Russia its Vietnam, as uh, speaking of Brzezinski explained uh, in Afghanistan, to collapse the USSR. Yep. That was the, it was the whole shtick. They've done Star Wars comparison to Russia already. Mm-hmm. You know, you had that play. You're not gonna, it's not going to work again. Now Putin is flipping it and saying, oh, there's an evil empire. Well, let me outline a sketch for you here, and you tell me who is the evil empire, who's the anti-imperialist, mm-hmm. um, and, and who has always been so. I don't know how much we, we can give to this, but in the middle of a speech, he also went back and said, you know, the Soviet Union was at the forefront of supporting the anti-colonial movement all through the 20th century. He was saying, here I suppose he was speaking to, reminding Russians that we have always been on the side of good. Mm-hmm. If there is a good versus evil, he's saying, yeah, it's not, it's not what they're saying. It's the opposite, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, there's the last one there to have on, uh, I don't know how significant it is, but you can just throw it up, Scotty. It's uh, China in the past few days just announced that it was told its state banks to prepare for a massive dollar dump on a yuan buying spree. China holds quite a lot of dollars something like maybe somewhere around a trillion or one point maybe it's, it's in the trillions anyway one or two um quite a lot of dollars so i don't know how much they're going to dump but obviously we'll have to see whether dumping whatever amount they're going to dump has any effect on uh, on the currency markets on on, on the dollar yeah, itself. Th- things are nice. this is something that people have talked about for a long time you know china holding all this dollar reserves why don't it just kind of dump them all this china could take down the dollar overnight if it just dumped all this reserves well that would have an effect on china as well obviously so it's not quite so simple but uh, maybe this is part of it just it just stood out to me as uh, mm-hmm. as something that uh, as part of putin's transformation of the of the global system and stuff obviously that has to be economic uh, almost uh, at its foundation as well other than culturally and all that kind of stuff and politically but it has to be uh, economic probably first and foremost in order to be sustainable it has to be put on a new footing but obviously not overnight progressively right so this may be one one step in in that direction you know china offloading at least some of its dollars if it's you know assuming it's obviously able to um <clears throat> to you know support its own currency basically get rid of dollars uh, buy 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 yuan buy its own currency yeah things are things are haywire and uh in the markets, obviously the UK is um, in. Uh, Bank of England had to intervene last week to prop up the pound, mm. but it's not just there. Everywhere is down except the dollar. The dollar is going up, and it, 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 what should normally happen to us in the response to this news is that the value of the dollar should plummet. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're they're trying to prop up. The dollar. No, they're trying to prop up the dollar by making the dollar what it always has been, the only safe harbor mm-hmm. in a world that's going crazy. Mm-hmm. Is that Putin's going crazy, and now the Chinese will do something crazy? Come to us, you know. Divert. It's all about maintaining global capital flows into Washington and/or the city of London. That's what the dollar system, petrodollar system, mm-hmm. is 
about and has been since the 1970s. Mm-hmm. Um, Before It's not going to work. You, did you hear about that, about Credit Suisse and one of the biggest banks and Deutsche Bank? Mm-hmm. Um, rumors are that it's like at layman level of catastrophe because 2008 was a save. They saved what should have been the beginning of the Great Depression right. then, but they've it staves it off for mm-hmm. just over a decade. But that thing has just been put off in the future. Mm-hmm. That's coming, you know? I think it's coming in the near future, yeah. Just before we... Uh, I forgot to mention about uh, about Mark Hamill there, Luke Skywalker, uh, and Star Wars reference in, in Good and Evil and that Rush is an example of the evil empire or whatever. Um, George Lucas, like, is on record as having said that when he wrote Star Wars, uh, the empire was America. It was in the context oh, really? of the Vietnam War and uh, the rebels were the Viet Cong. Right. So apparently Mark Hamill, who was in the original Star Wars, didn't get that message. Actors. Actors. What they say today oh may not be... It's like politicians. I found the piece on Sikorsky. What they say today will have no bearing on what they said tomorrow or yesterday. Okay. Um, let's put this up. June 2014. So Sikorsky, we mentioned earlier, he said, thank you, USA, about for blowing up Nord Stream. In 2014, he complained. Just before we go into that question, do we want to just go? I just saw a question. There. Uh, there's a question there. What is the? What is it with the story of the pipeline being impossible to be repaired? I think that's it because of the salt water. I think that's um, propaganda. It can be repaired, like we said. If you look it up, it's it's something that happens a lot. Okay, the pipelines aren't blown up all the time, but there have been cases where pipe where, where there's a breach in the pipeline, water gets in, it doesn't. If it's left for ages, it'll corrode the, the, the you know, it'll, salt water will corrode the, 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 the metal in the pipeline. But uh, it can be fixed, and I think it's just propaganda. Because they would like to, like part of the idea of blowing up Nord Stream 1 and 2 was that, that's it, it's gone forever. And that was part of the propaganda. Okay, it's done. You're never getting this back. It's over. It's gone. But that's not actually the truth. If you, if you look at the actual people who know what they're talking about in terms of pipelines, like, yeah, well, you just go in and you replace those sections and use a, a pipeline pig, as they call it, pushes the water out. And boom, you're ready to go again. Like everything else, it comes down to political will. Where there's right. a will, there's right. a way. Exactly. Yeah. So if they, they would, if they tell you they can't fix this because they chose not to. Right. But go ahead. Um, headline from The Guardian citing Reuters 2014. Polish foreign minister, you see, recognize him there. That's Sikorsky. Polish foreign minister says his country's alliance with the U.S. is worthless. Mm. According to a transcript of recordings... Obtained by W. Prost. I guess that's a Polish outlet. Sikorsky said, we gave the U.S. a blowjob. What was he referring to? Scroll down a bit. Um, Polish news magazine said on Sunday it obtained a secret recording of Foreign Minister Sikorsky contention for a senior, he's in contention for a senior European job saying that Poland's relationship with the United States was worthless. Uh, had no immediate comment. <laughs> Well, unless it, it might have been some about some specific, he said, you know, the Polish-U.S. alliance isn't worth anything. It is downright harmful because it creates a false sense of security. Complete bullshit. We'll get in conflict with the Germans, Russians, and we'll think that everything is super because we give the Americans a blowjob. Losers. Complete losers. <laughs> what a difference 12 years makes. Ten, uh, 14 years makes. Um, Crazy, isn't But that's true. It's as true today as it, as it was back then. But apparently they got used to giving blowjobs to the Americans and... And grew to like it. Grew to like it, yeah. Uh, <sighs> according to the concept, Korski described Washer's attitude towards the United States using the Polish word, I'm not going to pronounce that. 
Mujin. Dark-skinned person and someone who does not work for somebody, who does the work for somebody else. <laughs> so it's some kind of a, a racial slur. Um, so that's the Poles in the form of slaves, which is what Putin said, right? right? So he was basically saying that we're slaves, prostitutes to America. We, get, we do all this work and we get nothing in return. We do what they want and we get nothing in return. They're not providing any security for us. They're simply abusing and using us for their own interests. He said that in 2008. And Putin says, today has it changed? Well, no, because America just blew up uh, Germany's pipeline, effectively. And Germany went, thank you, America. Well, he said that in 2014, eight years ago. Oh, sorry, eight years ago, yeah. So, um, yeah, and the Germans just suck it up. It, it, uh, what is that power the U.S. has been a- able to exercise these last Black couple of decades? Oh, I don't know. Threats. It's phenomenal. I think, I think um, Shoigu gave a hint of it in... Um, well, he, not so much a hint about it directly, but he reminded me of the, the scale of Russia's undertaking here. In his interview, that was released the same day as one of the speeches by Putin. He, he was talking about how, look, we're not just up against Ukraine, we're up against NATO. Well, what does that mean? It's the entire military and civilian architecture of an information system. And he talked about 200 civilian satellites along with 70 military satellites they have at their disposal for surveillance for mm. targeting mm. F- for the whole their war effort in ukraine this like yeah they must it, they've sold themselves to america it, believe in a, america's it, bullshit they turned this the planet years. into a death star here here's a star wars analogy mm. the americans made this planet into a death star and sooner or later a sikorsky gets into a position where he sees that and he's like damn Damn, there's no way, we have no choice, or yeah. so he thinks, but to submit in every, they want to, they want pedophiles in our schools, all right, whatever you want, America, I'll just sign right here. Mm. It's, yeah, they, it's so they, total. They obviously but they believe. But do, that doesn't scare Russians, though. No, they obviously believed America's lies over the years, you know, America's goodwill and all that kind of stuff, and allowed America leverage over them to the point that they can't do anything now. That Amer- if, if they do anything that displeases America, America can say, listen, do it or else. They have leverage over them that they can, over individuals, over the country, over, you know, in terms of economics and, and, and military, uh, you know, options and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, cyber options. They, they probably know, they all know just how screwed they are if they try to turn against uh, their, their partner. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the only explanation, really. You would assume, unless they've all just lost their minds, like basically. And they really Partly, I think that some kind of transformative, transmarginal effect takes place in their brains as well, where mm. they actually convince themselves that, that it's not, this it's is the right what thing they politically want. Yeah. I mean, he went and married Anne Applebaum. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he sleeps with one of them. He's not just sleeping with the enemy metaphorically, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You know. Uh, yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. Um, the election result in Italy, that's probably a win for Putin. Meloni, yeah. We'll see what she does. Um, she has to put up her. She's just another. It's a sign of what's coming in the West, I suppose, I think. Maybe. But we're not going to vote our way out of this. It's... Yeah. Um. The drama in Iran, was it serious? Brouhaha. Saudis are happy. Americans are happy. 
50 people dead, a lot of security people dead. Weapons were, they found weapons coming in via Azerbaijan. Um, headline today, 19 killed in 40, including four elite IR GC um, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps members. Uh, 19 killed. And 32 more wounded. Mm-hmm. An armed attack by separatist on a police station in the southeastern city. So southeast is Balochistan. Across the border. Across the border with Afghanistan, Pakistan. No doubt they'll say it was ISIS. No? Isn't it funny how like that happened in Syria as well? Uh, in Syria's so-called revolution, you know, in 2011. First of all, you had like peaceful protests and some kind of freedom and democracy thing, like as in Iran, you know, women's rights, and that's a real appeal to the West, right? Women taking off their hijabs or not wearing headscarves or whatever and, and just letting it all hang out. And, and that's how it starts. But very quickly, once that's grabbed the headlines, very quickly you have these weird armed groups coming into the country to support and they end up being the ones that want to enslave women or something like that. And cut their heads <laughs> off. Cut, yeah. you know, that's what happened in Syria. Like It was all about freedom and democracy, and then you had these groups come in, and then you had ISIS, basically, right? So it gave rise to ISIS. It started off as this freedom and democracy movement in Syria, peaceful protests and stuff, and then it was ISIS. And now in, in Iran, you have you know hijab, women, grabbing the headlines in the West, and then if, if the Iranians don't stop it, that's what happens. These groups come across your border, and somebody's funding them, and somebody's training them, train and assist Empire of lies, that's how they get you. Yeah. Lies, and then once you're open, and Putin talked they about that come in his right speech. in and yeah. abuse you. And Putin talked about that in his speech as well. Not just, and he's obviously yeah. referring to Iran, but he's referring to other uh, CSTO regions, you know, like uh, Caucasus regions and stuff, um, the former Soviet republics, the stands. He warned all of them, listen, you need to be, you need to be careful, like, you know, the, this is what America does. Um, if you want to keep your country, you need to watch out. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, that's all the news that's fit to talk about as far as we're concerned over the past week. It's been a fairly momentous week, but um, not really. Just pushing the dial in a certain direction. People are still waiting for, when's Russia going to go and like do chalk and awe and just win in Ukraine? Do the winning thing, you know, that, that we see in the movies where they just win bigly all at once with their awesome weapons. When's that going to happen? Anytime soon? Maybe. But like I said, I reckon Russia's won already. Yeah. And they could call it a win. They could, yeah. yeah they have more to do, but yeah. they got they got to find some way to end it, though. That's the problem, because the Americans aren't on, the Americans aren't going to stop supplying weapons to the Ukrainians, and the Ukrainians are going to, like, they're going to find people from somewhere to keep throwing at the Russians for... Maybe the Russians just wait that out until they don't have anybody else to throw at them. Or they decide, listen, this is bullshit. It's going on too long. We're done. And we're going to put an end to it. And they have the means to do that. But there's, There are so many moving parts. It's not just Ukraine. It's what developments in the West, developments in the markets. Yeah, of the course. The dollar, what's well, going on Well, that's the whole there. macro thing. But in terms of the actual military campaign in Ukraine, yeah. what are they going to do? You know, what's, what's the... What's the, what's the is, it, is it a continued kind of relatively slow grind, you know, letting go of some territory here, getting more here, whatever, until they basically... Because they, con- they have to at least secure up to the borders. There's f- four reasons that uh, inc- they incorporated into the Russian Federation. That's, that would be... That's aim number one. That's, that's the first order of business, basically, is 
pushing Ukrainians out of those regions and securing those borders. After that, who knows? Uh, maybe it'll be a continued fairly slow grind doing that. Uh, and then they decide what Russia does depends a lot on what the West does. Hmm. So it's, it's, a dynamic, it's effectively unknown. It's a dynamic, dynamic, so you can't say... There's dynamic narratives. No, well, this is dynamic reality. When yeah. you have partial mobilization, it's real. It's yeah. not just a propaganda effort. Yeah. Um, but that takes time. Like I said, a lot of them are just, they really are going to be on the back, at the back line. Bottom line is, NATO's not training. back. America isn't backing it down. America's probably going to up, no, they, up, they just, up the ante. They just declared they're going to create a Ukraine command, right. breaking off from Central Europe command, right. based in bloody Kiev. Right. What that's gearing up for is a direct missile attack on that command center. On NATO. So and direct. once you're doing that, you're not at MAD yet, but you're at the next level where mm. it, it won't, we're not going to be a covert Moscow type situation. Mm. It's more like, yeah, we yeah. just blew up. It's open. Yeah. This NATO thing. We're not. Or we're, that Russian thing. We're tired pretending, playing this, yeah, that wasn't us, and yeah, that wasn't you game. At some point, we just get tired. There's no point in playing that game anymore. When that's no longer politically expedient or useful, you just drop it like, and see where the ships fall. I, yeah, I think we could be surprised. We'll see. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whatever you're doing. And thanks for our chatters. Don't forget to smash all the buttons, the like and all that kind of stuff because that's good. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Until then, whatever's happened between now and then, well, yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on it and letting you know what our take on it is. So until then, have a good week and Slava. We'll see, you. see you later. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Can't stop the signal now.